Ride Show. Welcome to the Scott Horton Show. I'm the director of the Libertarian Institute, editorial director of Antiwar.com, author of the book Fool's Errand, Time to End the War in Afghanistan, and the brand new Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. And I've recorded more than 5,500 interviews since 2003, almost all on foreign policy and all available for you at scotthorton.org. You can sign up for the podcast feed there. And the full interview archive is also available at youtube.com slash Show. Okay, you guys, introducing Moran Rappaport. And he is a writer for the 972 MAG in Israel. And he's got this piece at Responsible Statecraft called The End of the Netanyahu Doctrine. Although if his name sounds familiar, it might be because you've seen where I was reposting in the past few days, in the past week or so, this really important article that ran at Jim Loeb's blog back in 2019 that he wrote about the Netanyahu doctrine and the Likud's support for Hamas in the West Bank. And uh, I hope this has gone a bit viral. People can find it's a tweet called uh, the Israeli regime likes it this way, starter pack. And I have this long thread, and it's even a thread of threads of Israelis explaining why Netanyahu prefer Hamas rule the Gaza Strip, at least up until this point. So this is a very controversial topic. I understand why people might be upset to hear about it, but I have a guy who absolutely is an authoritative source for us here to explain just exactly what this means and what it doesn't and all of the rest. So thank you very much for joining us on the show today, Moran. How are you? Fine, I'm good. I uh, really appreciate you joining us on the show. So... Obviously, there's it's all history and backstory and who knows where to start. But like maybe we could start with would it be OK or would you agree a good place to start would be 2005 with Ariel Sharon's disengagement from the Gaza Strip and help people to understand what was the purpose behind that. And then as that story obviously segues here into Netanyahu and his doctrine here. So the floor is yours, sir. Please go ahead. Thank you. Uh, yes, we, we. I have to admit that we have to admit that this is not an invention by Netanyahu. Uh, you mentioned now the disengagement uh, uh, or the unilateral withdrawal of Israel from Gaza in 2005 by uh, Prime Minister Ariel Sharon. Netanyahu was a minister in his government. He supported the the move then he uh went against it but um again uh, and even sharon did not invent it it's a it's a quite um uh, there are two issues here one is really to to uh to separate the gaza strip from the west bank this is something that Israeli and Israeli governments, all from from uh, I would say from the early 90s, uh, found it very important to to separate Gaza from the West Bank. As you know, they are not connected geographically. There are something like 40 kilometers separating the Gaza Strip and the West Bank, and this was very important for Israel in order to weaken any Palestinian claim for a state. When you know, uh, a territory is divided into two, uh, then it's, uh, it's of course easier uh, to not allow 
uh, it to become a state. And it's more difficult for the PLO to claim that they, it represent the whole of the people, uh, the whole of the Palestinian as uh, uh, they are uh, detached from Gaza. So uh, this is, you know, an Israeli doctrine going for years. What Ariel Sharon did in 2005 is really taking it one step further. And he said, okay, I will withdraw from Gaza unilaterally without uh, uh, having an agreement with the PA, uh, Abu, the President Abu Mazen uh, at the time and now, uh, without his consent, I will do it in the, unilaterally. And his uh, and the idea was to weaken the the PA and weaken the PLO stand demanding uh, a political solution, a two-state solution. His advisor at the time, the vice class in a very uh, famous interview given to Haaretz, said it very uh, bluntly that the disengagement is meant to uh, put uh, uh, the, the peace process in for formalite, uh, that's the name, uh, in... Um, oh, I'm sorry, I have my mic off. Formaldehyde is how we pronounce it in America. Okay. Go ahead. So uh, he said it very in a very uh, strict way. So Netanyahu inherited this uh, uh, um, this doctrine, and what happened uh, is that in another uh, issue that happened in 2007 is uh, the, the coup made by Hamas after it won the election. Uh, and the Palestinian election and was not recognized by the PO and, and PA and other West and Western countries. It did a coup in Gaza, took over Gaza in 2007. So when uh, Netanyahu came back to power in 2009, there were two issues that were really uh, uh, almost a gift to him. One is this total separation between the West Bank and Gaza, because uh, 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 it was run by another entity, the Hamas government. And the second is that it was Hamas there. And Hamas is an organization that oppose any uh, peace uh, uh, negotiation and is uh, uh, illegitimate in the eyes of all almost all Western countries. So uh, it had a gift almost that it can, on the one hand, you know, uh, uh, consolidate this separation between the West Bank and Gaza, on the one hand, and on the other hand, to strengthen the, the political separation between Hamas and Fatah, and aiding uh, uh, Hamas in order to weaken Fatah in the West Bank to weaken Abu Mazen in the, in the West Bank. So there were two strategies here going along together. Mm -hmm. Okay, so um, listening to you, sir, uh, through the ears of a critic, I might say, aha, you're saying that the leaders of Hamas are all secretly controlled by Mossad and this kind of thing. Is that what you're saying? No, no, not at all, not at all. I'm, this, uh, uh, this is, uh, this is, uh, I, 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 
generally speaking, I am not so fond of uh, conspiracy theories, and in this case, it's it's uh, it's of course uh, baseless. Netanyahu, uh, of course, knows that Hamas is a terrorist organization, that it uh, it is a murderous organization, that it uh, uh, he has no illusions about Hamas. What is Hamas? I, I, I didn't speak personally to him about it, but it's very evident. No, but yes, he he used uh, because he thought that Hamas is weak, and Hamas cannot really threaten Israel militarily. And he added building a, a very huge obstacle, fence, wall along. Uh, 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 the the the, front, the frontier with Gaza. So for him, he said, "This is a weak organization. It can, you know, send some rockets and kills here their people, but it's not really uh, a strategic uh, threat to Israel. And with defense, it cannot, it can never uh, go into Israel." because we built such a beautiful and sophisticated fence overground and underground. So uh, there is no problem. So this is why Netanyahu thought that I can uh, um, give Hamas, you know, I will, uh, uh, I will allow Hamas to, to prosper in Gaza. Um, if it will attack Israel, I will attack it by my air force. Uh, they cannot cross, so it's they're not a big threat, but they are a big help politically. You have to add here another element that is, I, I think, this is the other real doctrine of Netanyahu that was crashed on the 7th of October. Of course, this, this uh, doctrine crashed when this wall just uh, were torn apart in 40 uh, spots uh, in, simultaneously and uh, the, the Hamas militant went as far as 40 kilometers into Israel. Also, this was really this doctrine that Hamas is, is a weak organization that cannot really hurt Israel. It, it killed more people than the whole second the intifada. In uh, four years of second intifada, it killed in six hours. The other doctrine that was developed in the last years and received a lot of support internationally in the US and elsewhere is that we can bypass uh, 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 the Palestinian authority at all. And we can make peace with the Arab world without negotiating any deal with the Palestinian, without going into negotiation with them, without changing their, 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 uh, their status, leaving them under occupation, under Israeli settlement, under, uh, without rights, without political rights, without national rights. We can bypass them. He did what we call the Abraham Accord with uh, the Emirates and Bahrain and later Morocco and Sudan that was internationally celebrated, especially in the, in the US by then President Trump, but also when President Biden came into power, he, 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 um, 
he welcomed these uh, uh, these agreements, and he even now in the last month tried to add Saudi Arabia into this uh, melt pot and saying we can make peace with the greatest and mo the wealthiest uh, uh, Arab country without even negotiating with 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 the Palestinian without. A few days, just I think two days before the uh, October seventh, there was a headline. It was uh, it was uh, uh, attributed to Netanyahu, but it was not uh, an official quote, saying that we can uh, do it the, the peace with Saudi Arabia without the mayor of Ramallah. This is how. Abu Mazen, the leader of the PLO, the leader of the, uh, the president of the Palestinian people, was called by Netanyahu, the mayor of Ramallah. So this also, I think, crashed at this horrible morning of, of, of uh, October 7th, when the Palestinian, when the Palestinian of Hamas, in a horrible, cruel, and despicable way, but still, they said, we are here. The Palestinians are here. They're not going anywhere. You don't make peace. If you want to leave, you don't make peace with Saudi Arabia and secure your lives here. It doesn't work that way. And not with the Emirates. We are your enemies. Mm -hmm. uh, and Hamas proved to be a terrible uh, enemy, a cruel enemy. But they are from here. And this is also a doctrine that really was smashed uh, at uh, that horrible morning. Mm -hmm. Well, folks, sad to say, they lied us into war. All of them. World War One, World War Two, Korea, Vietnam, Iraq War One, Serbia, Afghanistan, Iraq War Two, Libya, Syria, Yemen, all of them. But now you can get the ebook, All the War Lies, by me for free. Just sign up for the email list at the bottom of the page at scotthorton.org or go to scotthorton.org slash subscribe. Get all the war lies by me for free. And then you'll never have to believe them again. Hey, y'all, Scott here. Let me tell you about Roberts and Roberts Brokerage, Inc. Who knew? Artificial bank credit expansion leads to price inflation and terribly distorted markets. If you've got any savings left at all, you need to protect them need to put some, at least, into precious metals. Well, Roberts and Roberts can set you up with the best deals on silver, gold, platinum, and palladium. And they've been doing this since 1977. Hey, if you just need some sound advice about sound money, they're there for you, too. Call Tim Fry and the guys at 800-874-9760. That's 800-874-9760. Or check them out at rrbi.co. That's rrbi.co. You'll be glad you did. All right. Well, so there's so much to go over there. I think, first of all, it's worth mentioning here. I don't know. You can comment on this if you want, but um, it's worth mentioning that in Israel, you guys can talk about this. And nobody accuses everybody else of being an anti-Semite because everybody's Jewish. And so you can have articles like this in the Jerusalem Post or in Haaretz or in, I don't know if they write this stuff in Ynet, but maybe maybe pro-Likud uh, point of view, pro-Hamas stuff uh, previously there. But this is all perfectly fine for open discussion in Israel, whereas here in the United States, it's much more of a third rail thing that, oh no, how dare you say. But so I think it's very important as you clarify 
slide there, as I pushed you to do, and not that you overstated anything, but I, I just wanted to give you the opportunity to clarify that you are not saying that Hamas is controlled by Mossad and they do either this or even overall controlled by them. You're saying they are strategic allies, which doesn't necessarily require a single phone call of communication, just like America worked with al-Qaeda to fight against the Shiites in Syria. It doesn't mean they were working directly with them. They always had a mythical moderate rebel as uh, intermediary or whatever, but it doesn't take away the fact that they were working against Iran and their friends there on the same side of the war. So another example where it, it doesn't have to be a conspiracy theory. It's just foreign policy. It's not even necessarily covert action. It's maybe not very well covered action, but not even necessarily it's not, it's secret. It's not covered at all. Uh, it's not covered at all because because Netanyahu said it in a Likud meeting openly that uh, if you want to weaken the, 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 uh, the PA, if you want to uh, uh, avoid the Palestinian state, you should uh, support Hamas. This was after he was criticized for allowing Qatar to 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 give money to Hamas. Uh, so he said it openly, and I quote in my uh, piece uh, one is of his greatest supporters, uh, Galita Distal, who later became his uh, propaganda minister, and she now resigned a few days ago, but she was the propaganda minister in his government saying Netanyahu could wipe out Hamas in a moment, but he knows that this is the only way to avoid the Palestinian state. She said that, not me. Not me. I'm, I'm not mm. inventing anything. Uh, so, so it was out of the open. And Bezalel Smotrich, is now finance minister, said that Hamas, that the, uh, uh, Hamas is, is an asset and the PA is a liability. He said it. On TV, mm -hmm. so there's nothing covered here. Right. I, I'm not accusing none of them, Smotrich or Galidistal or Netanyahu, in uh, uh, colliding with Hamas, wanting Hamas to kill Israelis. This is absurd. Right. It cannot happen. But uh, uh, the fact that they thought it is useful. This is evident. Right. It cannot be denied. Well, and you, okay, so first of all, we're going to have in the show notes links to a couple of your articles here that are just chock full of notes. And we'll have a link to my Twitter thread where I've just been compiling all of these uh, great quotes. I've poached quite a few of them from you, sir. And they do say, over and over again, not just that this is a policy, but explicitly why. So again, to sum up for people who are a little bit lost here, the real answer, you correct me if I'm wrong, sir, what's going on here is the Israeli government and the factions in control of it, they don't want peace. They want the West Bank. And as long as they can keep what they considered, as they explicitly described, essentially, a good little enemy in Hamas in control of the Gaza Strip, then they can argue 
We don't have a partner for peace. You don't really expect us to deal with these terrorists, do you? When if it was Mahmoud Abbas who was in charge of the West Bank and the Gaza Strip, well, then everyone would agree that, okay, this guy's kind of a kook, but he wears a three-piece suit and he ain't that bad. He's been compliant. His men don't do terrorism, right? His army and police were trained by George Bush's guys, right? That's where his authority comes from. And so we could deal with him and they don't want that. That's what they're afraid of, is that international pressure will come and say, you got to give up the West Bank and the Gaza Strip to be an independent Palestinian state. So by keeping Hamas in power in Gaza, they can say, yeah, right, you expect us to give a state to these kooks. And, and they said that, and you have the quotes in your pieces here, and we have the quotes from all different Israeli publications. They say this explicitly. Over and over and over again. We know it sounds crazy to prefer Hamas in Gaza, but hear us out. The reason why is so that we don't have to give up the West Bank to the Palestinian people to be part of their Palestinian state. Correct? I, uh, correct. Only I would say just one thing. You know, peace is a very, you know, tricky word. Okay. Everyone wants peace. Everyone. Of course. Bezal Smotrich and Netanyahu and Galit Distal and, and all his ministers want peace. Everyone wants peace. But they don't want uh, 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 um, that Palestinian will have a right for self-determination in the land between the river, the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Sea. This is the nationality law that was passed in 2004. Uh, 18, if I'm not mistaken, by the Israeli parliament saying that between the river and the sea, the, oh, there's only one people that has a right for self-determination. This is why they refused any negotiation with the PLO. So uh, it's not that they don't want peace. They want peace. Of course they want peace. They want the Palestinian to accept to be uh, non-citizens in an uh, apartheid-like regime where they are subject without rights in the West Bank, that only Jews, Israeli Jews have rights. This is what they want. They don't want to kill Palestinians. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants to kill. Nobody wants to murder Palestinians. That's not the, the, the idea. And again, everyone wants to live in peace. But they don't accept that these the, the Palestinian people have a right for self-determination now. Mm -hmm. I would only add this. I think this terrible, terrible crisis that we are in, and really the darkest days that I've experienced in my life, and I'm uh, 66 years old, and the worst day that I experienced in my life, and I think it is maybe the, the, the darkest days of Israel since its creation in 48. From these dark days, I think maybe, maybe, there will be an understanding internationally, but also in Israel, that to avoid, to ignore that there is another people here, uh, uh, of course, rejecting the violent, murderous ways of Hamas. There's, there's no acceptance of this, but that there is another people here and they deserve to live in freedom and in dignity uh, and in equality. I hope, I hope uh, 
that through this crisis, we will have maybe a new understanding. I see some glimpses of it, but they are really glimpses in a very dark moment. Mm. You know, it's so frustrating, though, because the attack by Hamas this time, and we're not talking about a few kidnapped soldiers or, you know, a, a small reprisal like what happened before in 2014 or in 2006 and these kinds of things. This is the kind of thing that hardens feelings, feels like maybe a, a major setback, um, maybe maybe generations worth of setback here. Um, on the other hand, as you say, there's a a real understanding that could break through too. That there's a real reason it's like this. And you know, when you but let's get back to that Netanyahu doctrine a little bit here. This is so important for people to understand. And I'm trying to understand it myself. And I had missed this. I did, I was so busy. I did not read his uh, Benjamin Netanyahu's United Nations address that was just what a few days or a week or something before this attack broke out. And in his UN address, he holds up a map of the Middle East instead of a fake Iranian nuclear bomb. This time it's a map of the Middle East, and he says, he draws a, a big red line, and he goes, look at these are all, all, all our allies now. I did it. This is the Netanyahu doctrine. I've now made friends with Bahrain and UAE, and now Saudi Arabia, and without making peace with the Palestinians first, which he terms letting them hold peace hostage, which is hilarious, right? And then he says... And I'm sorry for people who don't understand the the deal was these states would never recognize Israel. Not that they were at war. The Abraham Accords aren't peace deals. They were recognition deals for full recognition. But they, the deal always was they wouldn't do that until the Palestinians got their independent state. And the Abraham Accords were short circuiting that with American weapons and tax money, F-16s for Bahrain, F-35s for UAE, and roll over your loans for Sudan and all this is what got them to go along with it. And then so Netanyahu explains that. Now that we're friends with all the local Arab Sunni kingdoms, now the Palestinians will have to essentially just give up. As you said, oh, they want peace, all right, the peace of just total submission. The Palestinians will now know that there's no way out for them. Not even the Saudis rhetorically even have their back anymore. And so they're just going to have to accept you have Hebron and you have Ramallah, and that's just going to be about that, you know, Janine, and otherwise forget you. You get 2% of what's left of Palestine, period, and nobody's coming for you. And that was his speech he gave just a couple of, what, a week or, or less before this attack broke out. Yes, yes, I think it was very clear. Uh, I, uh, I think I quote in my uh, article uh, a piece that Netanyahu himself wrote just before the last election, the, the, the election in uh, November 1st, uh, 2022, uh, when he was re-elected for the fifth or sixth time, um, saying, I... Uh, we don't need Ramallah. We can bypass Ramallah. He said it very openly. It's not uh, Israel is strong. The idea was, his philosophy said, "I'm a man of power, of 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 of, of, uh, uh, of uh, 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 out of strength." Israel is strong uh, militarily, the the the, the most uh, the strongest military force in the Middle East. Israel is strong economically, and Israel is strong 
politically to its relation, spatial relation with the US and Europe. So they need us, we don't need them. We don't need peace. He was arguing with the left, with what is left of the left in Israel, saying, you guys, you leftists, for many years said that Israel cannot co prosper without peace with the Palestinians. That if we want to prosper, you, you, you have to make peace with the Palestinians. That was Rabin's way. That was the, the, the Oslo Accords. They were, had a lot of problems in them, but that was the idea. That was the idea of the center left uh, for, for, for almost 20 years. Netanyahu was practically saying in his article in Haaretz just days before the election, no, you got it totally wrong. Israel can prosper without uh, uh, peace, with uh, any uh, any understanding of peace or accord with the Palestinian. Even more than that, it can prosper only without them, because then you go directly to the e to 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 the, the Emirates. You go directly to the Saudi to Saudi Arabia. They're just interfering with the craziness and uh, whatever. Uh, they don't recognize Israel as a Jewish state, which is quite senseless because no Arab country, including Egypt and Jordan and the EAU and, 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 and Bahrain, no, but no one country recognized Israel as a Jewish state. It recognized Israel. Well, and it was what, so obvious. What, 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 how Israel defines itself, right. that's its problem. It's not Bahrain to decide what is Israel and not for the uh, Emirates or for Saudi Arabia, mm -hmm. not for the Palestinian. And so, Maron, isn't it right that they added the stipulation that Hamas has to recognize Israel as a Jewish state after Hamas said that they would recognize Israel within 67 borders as part of a deal. And then they went, aha, we got to move the goalposts another 100 yards. Now you have to say, you know, you you um, rhetorically sacrifice the the full citizenship of the Palestinian citizens of Israel. No, that, that's, that's a trick a little bit older. And that's a trick that was pulled, I think, uh, around the Annapolis talk in 2006 uh, okay. with Olmert as prime minister and Tsipi Livni as his foreign minister. She was uh, leading the talks with the Palestinian. And then came this formula that the Palestinian, uh, the PLO, is required not only to recognize Israel because it recognized Israel already in the Oslo Accord in uh, 93, but to recognize Israel as a Jewish state. This was, of course, almost, and was and still, is, almost, is impossible for the Palestinian because there's a Palestinian minority in Israel. Right. 20% of, of the citizens of Israel are Palestinian Arabs, so there's no way that they could uh, uh, recognize Israel as a Jewish state. Uh, so uh, it was a condition meant uh, to be an obstacle and not to promote peace. And this was a trick that was pulled in 2007, but uh, six, but then it was adopted by uh, uh, Netanyahu and other government. Also, when mm -hmm. Bennett was prime minister for a year and a half, he also adapted this, this same 
formula. So, so it's not only Netanyahu. Netanyahu is really uh, is very uh, talented, but he represents a current that is very deep, in, unfortunately, mm-hmm. in Israeli politics. So I have uh, a new Israeli friend of mine uh, who uh, has been I've interviewed and, and talked to on the phone, and we've been emailing back and forth a little bit. He's saying the consensus in Israeli society right now is so far to the right and is just so seething with rage and just wants the absolute decimation of the Palestinian people in revenge for this attack and all of that. And yet at the same time, Marone, I'm seeing that Netanyahu's approval rating is in the trash because what adult over there in Israel could deny that they call this guy King Bibi. He served longer in power than Ben-Gurion or any other prime minister in Israeli history. He's the, the you know, this, you know, for certainly well over a decade here. If this happened on his watch, well, he's responsible. It'd be like if Bill Clinton was still in office when 9-11 happened. You wouldn't be able to say, oh, gee, he got caught by surprise. He's been sitting there this whole time. This has to be somewhat his fault. And and according to the polls, people are really mad and hold, you know, I guess they were saying when the war is over, he'll have to go, that kind of thing. But let me ask you, does that mean that we're going to get somebody who is less worse, like, you know, I don't know, labor, but somebody who actually has a much more realistic take than this absolutely failed Netanyahu doctrine? Or does it mean that we're just going to get Naftali Bennett or somebody to the right of him even who's going to that what's wrong with Netanyahu, whatever he's mad at Netanyahu for is that he's not being harsh enough. He's not using many nukes or going, you know, killing them all, driving them all off into the sea or into Egypt or something. So what do you think is the near term? Well, separately, I'll ask you about the future of the war and whether you think it's going to spread. But just in terms of Israeli politics and Netanyahu's future, what do you think? Yes, there's, a, there's no doubt the the, the, the atmosphere uh, is is uh, you know uh, is filled with with revenge uh, and uh, really will to wipe out Gaza at least. There is some difference. I know these are maybe, uh, it seems tribal, but I don't think it's so tribal. People are talking about wiping out Gaza and not a Palestinian in general. Uh, the Palestinian minority in Israel is in a different situation. And uh, uh, But yes, the revenge is very high. Uh, um, uh, and there is really people already that, uh, you know, there was one commentator, uh, the military commentator on the Israel national TV uh, tweeted, not not when he was, you know, uh, was uh, talking in the TV, but he was uh, tweeted that if uh, there should uh, one million Palestinians should die, then that's, you know, it has to be. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, a minister in the government, just uh, her, her ministry just published uh, yesterday, a plan to uh, uh, force uh, two million Palestinians into Sinai. So, was that a government report that said that? Yes, it's a it's a government. It's by the Ministry of Intelligence. It's a, it's a fake ministry. It doesn't have any responsibility whatsoever. Just a title. 
but she is the Minister of Intelligence. It has, it's a small minister, and they published a report uh, arguing for uh, for uh, transferring the, the Palestinian of Gaza into Sinai. Do you uh, think that Netanyahu uh, is going to go that far this time? I think it doesn't really matter. First of all, I don't think so, but uh, uh, but even if he did, I think uh, uh, an effort to force the Palestinian into the Sinai, out of Palestine, out of the borders of Palestine, meaning out of Gaza, into Egypt, I think could uh, put at risk the whole existence of Israel as a state. What do you mean by that? I'm I'm not exaggerating here. I think that if Israel will really try to uh, reenact a Nakba uh, 2.0 uh, uh, in 2023, uh, 75 years after the first Nakba, I think that there is a real risk that the whole Middle East will blow apart. Uh, not only Hezbollah will go into fighting, and maybe Syria, but I think there is a possibility that the Jordanian regime will fall. You have to remember that 80% of the Jordanian citizens are of Palestinian origin. They just need to cross the Jordan. And Jordan is a nice name, but it's it's almost it's a ditch. If you've been there, if you've seen it, it's a ditch of a few meters. It's not a real obstacle. They can just go over the border into the West Bank and uh, millions of them. And uh, Egypt itself may change sides. And this is, these are two huge armies. So I think Israel, if it uh, uh, tries to pull out something like this, it risks its own existence. So therefore, I think uh, Israeli leaders have some sense left in in them. I, I hope so. Uh, uh, so I think they won't go to that, even if they 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 like the idea in private. Hmm. Uh, but uh, going back to your question, yes, I think um, yes, Netanyahu is uh, uh, there's the revenge on one hand, and there's the weakness of Netanyahu on the other. Um, Netanyahu is very weak. Uh, contrary to what happens sometimes in wars, uh, his popularity goes down instead of going up. Uh, it is really the lowest uh, he has seen, I think, ever since he came into politics. He's really hated. People really hate him now. I see it. It's not only the polls. Uh, I can see it, uh, hear it in the cafe. I hear it from people. I hear it from people who went to the front and talked to soldiers saying, okay, we will fight here, we will do the war now, but after the war is over, we go with our uniforms and go to Jerusalem to topple Netanyahu. So there is a real rage that he is held responsible for this. And of course, uh, uh, this is not, you know, uh, it's quite obvious he was prime minister for 14 years, so he's uh, definitely responsible. Um, who will be next? It's a huge question. I think for the moment, if we go at the 
look at the polls, then next is uh, Benny Gantz. He is uh, um, today the defense, and not the defense minister, he's in the war cabinet. Uh, he's an ex-chief uh, ex of staff. He is middle of the road, but he is, I think, less what we talked before, his refusal, he's not uh, a refusenik concerning Palestinian uh, negotiation with the Palestinian. He hosted Abu Mazen uh, Mahmoud Abbas at his private home in uh, Roshain a few a year ago when he was a uh, uh, defense minister in Bennett and uh, Lapid uh, government. He is, he, 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 he he, uh, he made some statement in favor of the two-state solution in in a uh, in a vague way, but but still he was never really uh, against it. Um, uh, the military establishment uh, in a in a strange way. Is very is is quite uh, sympathetic of Abu Mazen and the PA because the military the, the security cooperation between the Israeli army and the PA in the West Bank is good and maybe even very good. So uh, they they feel confident uh, if the if if Fatah is in power. The, the military establishment and Gantz is part of this military establishment. So we don't know, but it's not to be excluded that if Gantz is prime minister, and that could happen maybe in a few months, uh, if the political crisis will go on, um, it's not to be excluded that he, he will not uh, 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 reject, uh, uh, you know, immediately uh, some kind of negotiations with 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 uh, with Abu Mazen, with the PLO, with PA. It's not it's not to be excluded. I don't know. I'm not not that I'm I'm quite sure he is not doesn't understand grasp yet. What does it mean? A full uh, agreement, peace agreement with the Palestinians, what does it take, what Israel will have to give. I think maybe he doesn't really understand, maybe the most Israel public uh, doesn't. But once I think negotiations starts, we start, I'm an optimistic, everything is possible. Once negotiations start, what we have to remember that since John Kerry uh, mission to the Middle East in, I think it was 2013. Uh, I think. In huh? 13. Well, that was when they finally gave it 13, up. In 13, 13, yeah. 13, yes, yes. 13. So it's 10 years. There's nothing. No negotiation whatsoever. Not even indirect. Uh, nothing. Uh, Kerry was indirect. Uh, was in that uh, negotiating uh, negotiation. He he made the dialogue with uh, with Abu Mazen and Netanyahu. So, for ten years, we don't have anything. The very fact that some kind of 
talks will resume and we are still far away from there. We are still in the moment of revenge, wanting to really to, to, to get to all these horrible uh, uh, people who did these atrocities. This is the mood. But once the war is over, and I hope it will be over without too many casualties, uh, further casualties uh, on both sides. I hope it will be over soon. Uh, then I think talks are not impossible. What I'm saying in these last days that we are so close to the abyss that we are also closer to the other side of 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 of. of the abyss yeah. to the beginning of, of some kind of promised land. This this is the way things are. That's uh, a great way I to look think. at it. Hey guys, Scott here for Leo Hamill Fine Jewelers out of San Diego at JewelryStoreSD.com. They do business nationwide. They sell jewelry and watches, specializing in engagement rings. You know, in case you're in love with somebody. They also specialize in one-of-a-kind vintage and antique jewelry Fully serviced pre-owned fine watches such as Rolex, Patek, Philippe, Cartier, and any high-end brand. Leos also services high-end watches faster and cheaper than going to a factory service center. Leos takes all the stress out of shopping for jewelry and engagement rings, and always at the right price. They deal nationwide over the phone at 619-299-1500. That's Leo Hamill Fine Jewelers out of San Diego. Go to JewelryStoreSD.com to check out their fine selection and to find out more. Hey, y'all, you should sign up for my Substack. It's ScottHortonShow.Substack.com. And if you do that, you'll get the interviews a day before everybody else. But not only that, they'll be free of commercials. How do you like that? Pretty good, huh? ScottHortonShow.Substack.com. Hey, y'all, LibertasBella.com is where you get Scott Horton Show and Libertarian Institute shirts, sweatshirts, mugs, and stickers and things, including the great Top Lobsters designs as well. See, that way it says on your shirt why you're so smart. Libertas Bella, from the same great folks who bring you Ammo.com for all your ammunition needs, too. That's LibertasBella.com. Um, all right, so let me ask you one more question before I let you go here, which is, uh, about the pending invasion. I'm not really asking you to read the future, but just, you know, read the TV and the, the politics uh, in Israel right now. We know that in 2014, they sent in a land invasion and then they quickly changed their mind because it was a tough road to hoe and they decided, no, we'll just bomb them with artillery and air power instead. This time, the catalyzing event obviously is much greater on the, the part of Israel and the October 7th attack there. Um, so, and then all the hype has been that they're lined up at the border and there's been reports, say, for example, in the Wall Street Journal, that the Biden government has been asking Netanyahu to wait because they're using the Qataris to negotiate some prisoners' uh, releases, which have been successful. Although that same report says that that's the only reason they're urging a delay. They're not urging a cancellation of the actual invasion that I know of or that I've read of. But obviously, if you want to start talking about dominoes falling down, there's an obvious danger that if they do a full-scale invasion of the Strip, whether or not they try to force everyone out of the South into Sinai or not, 
if they do a full-scale invasion of the South, that that could lead to real war with Hezbollah, with Syria, with Iraq, which is, of course, a very Iran-friendly government now because America did Iraq War II for Ariel Sharon back 20 years ago. And so, um, you know, people are—and it could spread even to Iran. And as you were saying, some of these Sunni kingdoms and Sunni uh, El Presidente ships like uh, Fatah al-Sisi, the dictator of Egypt, I mean, they might be forced to choose or be overthrown themselves. I mean, which, whatever. I know this is slippery slope. Madness, craziness. I don't think it'll happen. In 2006, I remember thinking, oh, no, this is going to spread. And then it didn't. So what the hey. But I wonder what you think about that, because I know a lot of people are really worried about regional war right now. And that maybe actually Netanyahu will take the chance. And maybe he does have the cojones to just say, you know what? We are going to force America into a regional war against the Shiites. The Ayatollahs got to go. And so let's do it. You know, faster, please, like Michael Ledeen used to say. So what about all of that? Um, I just read a report that only nine people really know what's going on. It's uh, the, the <laughs> yeah. five members of, of of the war cabinet and then the, the chief of staff and the head of Mossad and the head of Shabak and maybe another minister. So and that even it was written that... Um, the the the, uh, the resolutions are written in English uh, in order uh, that they will receive the American approval before uh, uh, they pass they are passed to the government and that uh, it's a rubber stamp the government that hmm. the decision are taking there so we have to know we have to admit that we know very little having said that uh, I think that um, ground invasion is complicated for many reasons. Uh, for the reason you mentioned, uh, uh, that I don't, and certainly after what happened in uh, October 7th, I'm not sure that the Israeli army itself is confident that it can pull it out. Uh, it didn't succeed in 2014, it didn't succeed in 2006 in the Second Lebanese War when it entered uh, direct combat with, with the Hezbollah. It was not successful. So I think um, Israel itself, I'm not sure, and I think Netanyahu maybe himself is not sure that the Israeli army can do it. This is one thing. And the second is, of course, the casualties for Israel and and the, the casualties for the Palestinian what what uh, and and the trigger that what might trigger uh, uh, a regional war, um, and uh, but there is another element I think, and this is something I wrote uh, today. It will be published I, I think tomorrow or the day after. Uh, uh, local call where I write in Hebrew and then maybe in nine seven two. I think Netanyahu. Uh, knows that if um, Israel go and, and of course there's the hostages issue, of course, uh, that's also complicates things very much because uh, because if there's a ground attack without a deal to release the hostages before, then uh, the fact that the blood of two 150 Israeli civilians uh, 100, something like 150 Israeli civilians 
in addition to some 50 soldiers, but 150 civilians, including women, children, very small children, that they will be killed as a result of an Israeli invasion. That's that's a high price to pay politically. So all these are factors that uh, that uh, delay and maybe even make uh, a full-blown invasion very difficult. But there is another issue that is less talked about. If Israel goes in and takes takes over Gaza, then that means that we have to to think about the day after. And the day after will inevitably include some kind of political uh, negotiation because no one will be ready to take the Gaza Strip from Israel unless Israel will be ready to enter some kind of political dialogue on the future of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Uh, whether it will be the PA itself, whether it will be an international, an Arab uh, coalition, will be whether it will be an international coalition that will go in, and this is something that Netanyahu avoided, as I said in the beginning, he avoided it since he came into power in 1996 to avoid a Palestinian state, to avoid. So I think Netanyahu maybe refers to go on with the aerial bombardment uh, 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 and not go uh, in uh, in ground force uh, significantly in order to avoid this day after. Because if he doesn't go in, then maybe, you know, somehow Hamas may stay the weekend, but it may stay. So it may be this may be even uh, better for him. So I think there is also this uh, uh, reasoning for Netanyahu uh, not to go for a ground offensive. Now, that there will be no ground offensive at all, the Israeli public will not accept it, will not accept it. But there is a middle way, like, you know, they will take over the Gaza Strip is very small, but uh, 60 kilometers uh, long and some 10 kilometers wide, but um, but there is some alternatives. They can take uh, more um, uh, areas in the north of the of the of the of the strip that are less populated. Beit Lahia, Beit Hanun, the names are less important. They could take a strip, a one kilometer strip, all along. The, the border between Gaza, uh, Gaza Strip and Israel. They could maybe even divide the Gaza Strip into two. Uh, there is a space there between Gaza City and Deir al-Balah that is more to the center and south of the Gaza Strip, so they can divide the Gaza Strip into two. So this will be always, also requires uh, soldiers to come in and it could be portrayed as a ground offensive. And there are hints to that, that the army is talking not about a ground offensive, but about a ground maneuver. Why is using this word maneuver instead of operation? It's not clear. But Sounds again, like possibly they're climbing down, though, a little bit from the worst. Uh, yes, I think they're they are leaving 
the, 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 uh, the possibility for a limited ground offensive, meaning taking only few zones in the Gaza Strip that will put pressure on Hamas. It will maybe lead to an attrition war. It's not, uh, it was not uh, brilliant, neither in Iraq, neither in Afghanistan, and neither in Lebanon for Israel, this attrition war with, with, with local uh, uh, militias. And, uh, um, but uh, maybe that will be you know, a way out in satisfying the Israeli demand for ground offensive but still not jeopardizing the whole Middle East and, uh, and not jeopardizing Netanyahu also in uh, forcing him to start uh, some kind of uh, political uh, dialogue with, with the international community concerning a solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Mm. You know, I saw that poll that said the Israelis want Netanyahu to go as soon as the war is over. And I thought, man, I hope yeah, nobody tells 20, him that. 20 per- uh, 23% wants him to go now, Yeah. now, during the war. Right, but then that's just a huge incentive for him to prolong the war so he can stay. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, we don't know. It, but yes, there is an incentive there that if it will go for months, then people will maybe forget and they will only, you know, concentrate on... <laughs> On they this to, uh, attrition war. They ought to do a, a reconciliation commission with a drop all his corruption charges if he'll just step down. We promise not to put you in prison for all the grifting and graft. You know, not that he would ever be responsible for the people he killed in office, only for bribes he took. But even there, those are minor charges compared to the danger of leaving him in authority, right? I... I'm... I, I, with all his, you know, maneuvering, Netanyahu's maneuvering, I don't see him staying in power more than six months. It will be, it will be a surprise for me if he will stay in power over six months with the charges against him being, uh, uh, being uh, sent, uh, you know, wiped uh, down or not. I'm not, I, I do not know, but, but I, I it's hard for me. The, the, the atmosphere is so much against him. So much against him. Well, that's good from to his hear own that. Pe- from, you know. from his own people. Mm-hmm. From his own people. Uh, I think it will be hard to forget something like what happened on the October 7th. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's, not, it's not an event that you can just, you know, manipulate and say, no, it happened. No, no. It's, it's a huge thing. It's a trauma. It's a huge trauma for the Israeli society. I think maybe again. I think it's 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 harder than the October the uh, seventy three October war, the Yom Kippur. It's harder. It's uh, um, because it, it's in our homes. You know, they they came the, the the Hamas people came into people's home. It's not. It was not in the front that soldiers were neglected in the trenches near the Suez Canal in 73. It's people in their own house, in their own courtyard, uh, in in the kindergarten. You know, this is something that I I don't see how it is uh, forgotten for many years. 
and I don't see how Netanyahu gets off. Well, it seems uh, like the responsibility for if, this. If you look at September 11th, I mean, George Bush's approval rating went up to 90 something percent, even though he'd been on the job for eight months. But people just held him completely innocent for it. And then the, the story was that this, this group of people just dropped out of hyperspace from some other dimension or something. And they started this war with us because they hate us for being free and innocent. And that was all the American people were going on at that time, basically. Whereas in this situation, instead of it sounds like what you're saying to me is instead of having a rally around the flag effect around Netanyahu, they might be rallying around their security forces. They are not rallying around their leader because this is so blatantly his damned fault that there's just no way to spin that. I I I I find it very difficult for him to spin, you know. He's he's sometimes described as a mag magician. I never thought he is. Uh, maybe he will pull a trick that nobody can imagine now, but I don't see it. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, I want to thank you so much for your time on the show today and your great insight. And um, we'll definitely be linking to uh, your great pieces, the, the one at Low Blog from four years ago and the brand new one, too. And uh, thank you again for your time, everybody. That's Maron Rappaport. Thank you. The Scott Horton Show, Anti-War Radio can be heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, APSradio.com, Antiwar.com, ScottHorton.org, and LibertarianInstitute.org.